Amen. It's a, it truly is a privilege just to hear you guys all sing together in unity, right? And uh, if you were, uh, three things before we jump into Revelation 22. First of all, if you were there on Wednesday at our Wings and Worship Night downtown Port Clinton, that was a pretty amazing event, wasn't it? That was amazing, yes. And so the coolest part about that was that uh, a, a chapel group had that idea and wanted to put that on. And they did it right? They did it. And so that's the amazing part is when people come together and they, they just want to put those, together, those things together, it glorifies God. It brings people together in unity. And so that was a fantastic night. Also, thank you so much for those who brought in clothes for warming the homeless today. And then the last thing we're going to talk about is this. Today, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 22. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. to the. It's like the last page in the Bible before all your maps and your weights and measurements in the back, okay? And so that's where it is. And so, uh, but next week, we just want to highlight what we're doing next week. We're just going to have a next step service. And so it's going to be a special special service where we're going to be focusing on a lot of next steps that you may be able to take because that's what the journey of faith is all about. It's about moving one step closer. It's not about becoming stagnant or being okay with where you're at. It's about moving and progressing and maturing. And so hopefully you'll join us next week as we highlight these next steps. And then after that, we're going to jump into the book of Ephesians for a while, okay? And so that's where we're going to be going here in the next few weeks. And so Revelation chapter 22, uh, really the chapter and really Revelation as a whole is kind of like a coming soon sign. Uh, This is like a notification, a coming soon notification or a coming soon sign. I love and I'm so intrigued by those coming soon signs when you drive past them. I always hope they're going to be like a Chick-fil-A or like a Chipotle or like a Starbucks or something, but it's always just an office building. It's a huge, it's a huge letdown. Um, normally, but those signs are intriguing, aren't they? You're like, ooh, what's, what's, what's coming? What's coming soon? I want to know. They're intriguing, and that's what Revelation 22 is. It's this intriguing message to us, this idea of coming soon, because you know what? Revelation 22 really shows us what our hearts deeply long for what our hearts deeply deeply long for. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has put eternity into our hearts. God has put eternity into our hearts. So subconsciously or consciously, humanity yearns for eternity. We naturally yearn for what's coming soon. And so last week, we looked at Revelation chapter 21. We looked at the sure and steadfast hope of the new heaven and the new earth and how God is going to restore all things to good, how there's going to be no more sin, no more death, no more sorrow, no more hatred or shame. And we saw how we're going to dwell in the house of God forever here, though, right? He's going to restore it all back to good. And today in Revelation 22, John's vision of this new heaven and new earth actually continues. So we, let's finish it out here real quick of this picture of what this new heaven and this new earth looks like. It says, then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. 
No longer will there, there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads, and there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. I can't really unpack this passage for you today, but very quickly, we learn in this passage that we are going to be nourished by God in the new earth. We're going to worship God in the new earth. We're going to see God in the new earth, and we will reign with God in the new earth. That's our hope. That's our hope. That's our anchor that we can hold on to. It is a sure and steadfast hope of our soul. And so right after John describes this indescribable reality, we actually see a transition in Revelation chapter 22 where he shifts to really talk about this idea of what's coming soon. And so instead of really just focusing on the new heaven and the new earth, he tells us what Jesus says. And so let's continue in Revelation 22, 6 and 7. He says, then the angel said to me, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. So everything, this is going all the way back to Revelation chapter 1. So everything you've seen and heard is trustworthy and true. You can put your money on it, right? Like you can bring it to the bank. It's trustworthy. It's true. The Lord God who inspires his prophets has sent his angel to his servant, servants, to tell his servants, sorry, what will happen soon. And then he says these words. He says, look, I am coming soon. And Jesus is coming soon, but many of us wonder what soon actually means. And so um, I don't know if this has happened to you before, but I've been married almost 10 years now, and often um, my wife and I will get into a, a conversation um, because of that word soon, right? Because her definition of soon, which I will say is always right, <laughs> and my definition of soon are vastly different. Have you experienced this before with someone? She's like, hey, when are you coming home? I'm on like hole 12, and I say, I'm home soon, we all know it's not actually soon. Her definition of soon is vastly different than mine, and it's caused a lot of issues. So if you're newly married, about to be married, if you've been married 40 years, you need to define the word soon together, okay? What that word actually means, and I promise you it's going to save you a lot of heartache in your relationship. And so in our relationships, we need to know what that word soon means, and so we're going to do the same thing with Jesus. What does that word soon actually mean? The Greek word for the word soon doesn't mean immediately or necessarily in a short time, but that word soon means without delay. It's actually the, the root word where we get our English word for taxi, okay? It's without any delay. So when we just read that passage, it said Jesus is coming soon. It doesn't mean he's coming now. It doesn't mean immediately, whatever the case may be. It means he's coming without any delay. These words were written thousands of years ago, and Jesus is still coming without any delay. You see, what's very important for us to understand is that God's timetable is not like ours. God's timetable is not like 
ours. Look at what Peter wrote in 2 Peter 3, 8, 9. He says, but you must not forget. Remember, people were forgetting like this idea that God's timetable and ours, they thought it was the same, but they're vastly different. And he says, you can't forget this, people. This one thing, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise of coming soon, as some people think, no, he is being patient. Why? For your sake. For your sake. For my sake. He's being patient. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. And Revelation shows us people being destroyed, right? This concept. And so we have to understand that God's timetable is not like ours. The word soon without any delay is very different to us than it is to God. We see it in verse eight. Simply put, God is not dragging his feet. God is not lazy in his return. God is not sidetracked. God is being patient. Patient. A lot of us struggle with patience, don't we? A lot of us struggle with patience, but God doesn't. God is being patient. He's patiently waiting for people to repent from their sin and to trust in Jesus as their Savior so that they are not destroyed. That's who our God is. He is a patient God. Probably the best example of this is in Exodus 34, verse 6. Just to give you some context, Israel had just like worshipped a golden calf. They said, God, you're not good enough. We still like you, but we're just going to go ahead and build this golden calf and worship it. And then there's this whole ordeal going on. Moses goes up there, and God himself comes to Moses, and he declares this. He says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God is merciful even to his people who walk away and worship other things. God is gracious and God is slow to anger. In other words, he is patient. He is patiently waiting for our sakes, for yours and for mine, for our families, for our friends, for our children. The list goes on. He is waiting for our sake, he's being patient. He's coming without any delay. And so we need to have that right mentality of who God is and who we are, right? We're dictated by time. He is not. And so the question is, is what do we do while we wait? Have you ever been with people? I talk about my kids often, but like when grandma's coming from three hours away, they're just sitting on the porch for three hours. They just can't wait. And they always ask me, what do I do? What do I do, right? Because they have this expectation of this idea of like grandma's coming, but it's, she's coming soon. Chill out, okay? But what do you do while you wait? That's the question we have to ask with God. What do we do here on this earth while we wait for Jesus to return? I'm really glad you asked. First, we need to obey his word. We need to obey his word, okay? Look at the rest of verse seven. We already read the first part. Look, I am coming soon. We already read that. I am coming soon. And then he says, blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. Obedience, 
Obedience leads to blessing, or in other words, happiness. That's what that word blessed means. It means happy are those who obey the words found in this book. This is very reminiscent of Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, right? At the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the merciful, etc. He goes on. And so here Jesus is saying that blessed are those who obey his words. And so as we wait, because we know Jesus is coming without any delay, he is patiently waiting for our sakes. While we wait, we can obey his word because that's what's going to bring us true happiness in this life. Now, how contrary is the statement I just made from our world and culture? How much does our world tell us don't obey the words of God and just kind of find your own happiness apart from him? Well, let me ask you, where has that brought you? Where has that taken us? We think it's going to lead to happiness. We think it's going to lead to better pastures. And yet it's God who leads us to green pastures and still waters. Obeying God's word is what will bring true life, true blessedness. But from the beginning, the enemy makes us want to doubt God's words. You remember what the enemy said to Adam and Eve in the garden? The first words he came up to them and said, he said, did God really say? That's the phrase. And then he went on. Did God really say not to eat of that tree? Did God really say you would die? Did God really say? You know what he's doing? The enemy is truly trying to get you to doubt what? God's word. And he hasn't changed his mentality this entire time. You want to know why? Because it works. He doesn't have to renew his schemes. He doesn't have to change up what he's doing. He says, you know what? They're just going to keep not obeying his words, and that's what I want. And so when we want true happiness, when we want to be blessed, if you will, obeying God's word is what will lead us to that. God's word brings true life. It brings reward. Look at verse 12. It says, look, I'm coming soon. Jesus says it again. That's the second time he says the same exact phrase. I'm coming soon. Verse 12, I'm coming soon. He says, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. What's amazing is that God's people were told the same thing in Isaiah 40, verse 10, and also Isaiah 62, 11, and here we see it again in Revelation 22. When Jesus comes, he comes with payback for his people ready to reward his people. And of course, the greatest reward is going to be the fact that we get to see God face to face. We get to be with him for eternity. We read that at the beginning of chapter 22. Obeying God's word brings life and it brings reward. And so I want you to ask yourself today, why don't we obey it more? Why don't we obey it more? Again, as a father, I didn't quite understand this until I had children. And one thing I truly say to them often is that I'm asking them to do something. And of course, they're all just developing their defiant spirits. And I look at them and I say, listen, if you don't obey, it's not going to go well for you. <laughs> they haven't caught on to that, right? <laughs> it's not going to go well for you. I'm offering you a chance for it to be a good day. 
And so they have to make that decision, right? They have to make that decision in their minds whether they're going to obey or not. Same thing with God and us. As our Father, he looks at us. He says, listen, I've given you my word. You should obey it. And he's saying, listen, and if you don't obey it, it probably won't go well for you. But yet if you do obey his word, he says, blessed are those, happy are those who obey his word. We don't obey it because it's a rule book. We obey it because of what Jesus has done for us. You see the difference there? So ask yourself, why don't I obey his word more? That's one thing we can do while we wait. We can obey God's word. The next thing we can do is worship God alone. Worship God alone. Now, this seems pretty self-explanatory, but yet here we are worshiping other things in our lives, right? Much like Exodus 32 and 34, where they worship a golden calf and yet still worship God as well. Look at what happens in verses 8 and 9. I, John, am the one who heard and saw all of these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship. Good response. Very good response. At the feet of the angel. Not a good response. Okay? So he fell down to worship. That's a good thing. But who you're worshiping really makes a difference. Okay? At the feet of the angel who showed me these things, he says, but he said, no, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers, the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in this book. There's that obedience again. And then the angel says, worship only God. This is not the first time that John fell down at the feet of the angel to worship. He actually does it again in Revelation 19.10. But what's interesting is that both times that John fell down to worship an angel, he just heard a glorious promise from that angel. In Revelation 19.9, it says, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's another blessed statement. Revelation 19.9, Blessed are those who are invited to that marriage supper of the Lamb. And then in 22.7, Blessed are those who obey the prophecy of this book. John falls down in worship because of his gratitude and his adoration of the promises of God. But... He fell down in worship to worship the messenger instead of the message giver. He falls down to worship the angel instead of worshiping the God who gave the promise. And when we think about our lives a lot, a lot of things we worship in our lives besides God, they're called idols, are things that God has given us. Right? When you think about your family, you think about your jobs, you think about your money, you think about, I mean, the list goes on. These are things that steal our attention, and we end up worshiping the things God gave us instead of the God who gave us them. You see, this is what John is doing. It's a good response, and yet it's not because of who he worships. And so listen, it makes sense that John would want to worship after hearing promises of God, because we were created to worship. That's just who we are. It's inside of us. Just like Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has written eternity on our hearts, he's also created us to worship. The question is, is who are we going to worship? Who are we going to worship? We need to listen to the angel today. We need to listen to God's word. We need to worship only God because he's the one who's worthy to open the scroll, Revelation 4 and 5. He alone is worthy to be slain for you and for me, Revelation 5. And he alone is worthy of our heart, our allegiance, and our worship.
nothing else. Nothing else. And you know what happens when we start to worship other things that God has given us instead of God himself? You know what happens? When those things fade away, which they will because they're not eternal, when those things fade away, you know what happens? Is you, you become empty. Has that ever happened to you before? Where you're putting all your hope, you're putting all your dreams into something that's so temporal. And when those fade away, you're left with nothing. So rather than worshiping something other than God, we worship God because he is eternal, he is unchangeable, and he is worthy. We need to worship God alone. The next thing we need to do while we wait is to embrace God's work of grace. He alone is worthy. We need to embrace God's, embrace God's work of grace. Look at what 10 and 11 said. Then he instructed me, don't seal up the prophetic words in this book, for the time is near. Let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm. Let the one who is vile continue to be vile. Let the one who is righteous continue to live righteously. And let the one who is holy continue to be holy. Continue to be holy. This passage seems to allude to the idea that, that at this point in the vision, that there's no more time to repent. The time is near. So those doing harm and vile things, they're going to do what they want to do. That's what happens in life, right? People are going to do what they want to do. But those who are righteous and those who are holy, or better yet, those who have been made righteous and made holy through Jesus, we're called to continue to do those things. We need to embrace God's work of grace in our lives. We need to embrace God's work of grace in our lives. Listen, I don't know about you, but I feel like I've been growing in my faith through this series. I feel like God has been working in my heart a lot lately. And you know what? I, I'm going to embrace that, and I, and I want to see it grow and go, go further. And so I don't know where you're at in your faith. Maybe you have been growing recently as well. Maybe God has just been moving you and working in your heart. Listen, embrace it. Lean into it. If God has caused you to love better, love even better. If God has called you to be more patient with your kids, be even more patient with your kids. This idea of embracing God's work of grace, we're so resistant sometimes to God's work, aren't we? We're so resistant to what God has for us. So if God has been moving you in the right direction, embrace that and leave your old self behind. Don't lean into who you once were. Instead, embrace who you are now through Jesus. Just go with it and see what God's going to do with you. See how God is going to use you. See how God is going to use your gifts for his glory and for the sake of others. Embrace it. Lean into it to what God has done through Christ because that's your identity now. If you are a Christ follower, it's through Jesus in which we are now righteous and it's through Jesus we've been set apart or made holy. That's your identity. That's who you are. Lean into that. Hold on to that. Embrace it and see where God takes you from there. Embrace it. The last thing we need to do while we wait, because Jesus is coming without any delay, we need to come to Jesus. We need to come to Jesus. He invites all who desire him. Revelation 22, 16 through 17. And I really want you to listen to these verses, so I'm going to read them slow. I'm going to read them slow. I, Jesus, just know who's talking here. Jesus 
have sent my angel to you, this message for the churches. I am both the source of David in the air to his throne. I am the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires to drink freely from the water of life. And then 20 through 21, he who is the faithful witness to all these things say, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. These words right here are an invitation to come to Jesus because Jesus is coming soon. Did you hear that? These words right here are an invitation to come to Jesus because Jesus is coming soon. He's coming without any delay, and he's coming in victory. He's coming in power. He's coming in majesty, splendor, love, justice, grace, mercy. And this is why we need to obey his words. And this is why we need to worship God alone. And this is why we need to embrace God's work of grace Because Jesus is coming soon. And so listen, as we close out Revelation, this beautiful, beautiful book of the Bible, if you're hearing these things, I want to invite you to come to Jesus. If you are thirsty, I want you to come to Jesus. If you are broken, I want you to come to Jesus. If you're lost, I want you to come to Jesus. If you're empty, And you feel it on a deep level. I want you to come to Jesus if you're angry. Just angry at life, angry at all your situations. I invite you to come to Jesus if you're confused and you don't know what's right or wrong. I want you to come to Jesus if you're hurt. If you're hurt deeply, I want you to come to Jesus. Listen, this invitation is for all of us. It's for every single person in this room. Anyone who desires to drink from the water of life can freely drink. Jesus promises that for us, for you and for me. And we can come to Jesus because his arms are open wide and he's gonna receive you completely. Would you stand with me? And would these words be our prayer and our response today? Yeah.
tell the world of the treasure you found. Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling. Listen. Come to Jesus because Jesus is coming soon. He is coming soon. As we close up Revelation today, we're going to end with our benediction, but we've added to it at the back part. And so listen, I'm going to read the words in white. When the words are yellow, you join with me, okay? Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. He is the faithful witness to all. These things says Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. I hope you have a wonderful day, and we'll see you next week.